0: Trio for that tremendous song and a reminder of who Jesus is heavenly father thank you lord that you are the lion of Judah who will fight our battles you were the lamb that laid down your life in our place on that cross for our sins and father thank you that you are our protector in the midst of the fire and father as we open your word once again I pray that these truths might become a reality to us individually, Lord, as we remember who you are. Thank you for what you will say to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles this morning and turn to Psalm 3. Psalm 3. We are beginning a study in the Psalms. And uh, so it's going to be sporadic throughout the Psalms. We're not going Psalm by Psalm, but we're going to pick out a few Psalms. And we will see in the Psalms that we will be studying, we will see, first of all, the attributes of God, how crucial that is for us to get an understanding of who God is. And then secondly, the attitudes of our heart which comes through through the psalmist writings. But here in Psalm 3, we find a psalm of David, of course. Most of the psalms are written by him. But the background of Psalm 3 and, we believe, Psalm 4, uh, we know that uh, Psalm 3, if you look at the top of uh, the chapter there, Psalm 3, it says, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son and so this psalm was written during a crisis in David's life as suddenly he was a fugitive he was on the run his son Absalom wicked in heart sought the throne and so uh, a conspiracy grew and he he got so many uh, people in Jerusalem and Israel to support him that he should be king that, that they, they began to, to, to desire to put Absalom on the throne, and David knew it was time to flee for his life. And so you can imagine, uh, just put yourself, as we go through this psalm, put yourself, if you can, in the, days, uh, in the, in the shoes of David. Put yourself, in, try in, to imagine what he's going through. He's running from his own son whom he dearly loved, but his son wants to kill him. And I don't know what your circumstances are this morning, but they are heavy. There are many burdens, many heartaches, many sorrows and trials that each and every one of us are going through this morning. So what do we do about it? When we are in crisis mode... We will find out what David did. Here, during this most traumatic experience of his life, we see that he is going to write a song. He writes a song. Of course, it is a prayer that becomes a song. But let's look together at verse 1. And by the way, Psalm 3... Is considered by Bible scholars to be a morning psalm by the way he he writes it. And then Psalm 4 is more of what we call an evening psalm. And you'll see why as we go along. But verses 1 and 2, David begins, O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are rising up against me. Here, David begins to cry out to the Lord. And he he cries out to the Lord, Yahweh. And if you'll notice the name Lord there, O Lord is all capitalized, which in the Hebrew, uh, it's translated here, all in capitals, because this is the Hebrew word for Yahweh. So David is calling out to Yahweh, his, using his name, the great one, the, the I am, the one and only, the God of the universe, the almighty one. And so he cries out to him here. And what does he cry first? He says, my enemies have increased around me. He just doesn't say, I have a, I, I'm dealing with a problem here, Lord. Uh, you know, no, he tells the Lord, and he knows the Lord knows all this. But he says, Lord, my enemies are increasing. All of a sudden, there just seems to be one enemy after another just piling on to David. And David can feel the strain and stress and fear for his life. And maybe this morning, your enemies, whatever they are, maybe you lost a job. Maybe you're close to losing one. Someone accused you of something that was false. You lost your job because of it. Maybe it's, there's a problem in the home, in the marriage, uh, among children, grandchildren, whatever it is. It may be a coworker worker or a friend, but a serious issue. It may be health. It may be finances, whatever it is. And it just seems like your enemies in your life, your trials are increasing. I've talked to some of you who have just said, I can't believe now this. Now, this has come upon me. I don't understand. And we don't have an answer. David didn't understand what God was doing and allowing, why he was allowing what he was doing. But he's telling God, God, here's my problem. My enemies are increasing around me. And so he cries out to the Lord that my enemies are increasing. Many are rising up against me. And then He says in verse 2, Many are saying, these are the enemies, many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. There is no deliverance for him in God. It's a statement of mockery, of blasphemy, contempt to David and to his God. So David now presents to God what his enemies are saying about him and maybe you're sitting here this morning and something's going through your mind of what somebody said about you and you've been hurt you feel betrayed you've been you you feel anger and bitterness because of 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 what's been said to you or about you and David is, is bringing this to the Lord as a burden and saying Lord This is what they're saying. This is what they're saying. And what is it they are saying? Huh. There's no deliverance for him and God. You see, these are his enemies that see King David running for his life. And they're going, I thought he and God were like this. I thought David was a man after God's own heart. Hey, David, where's your God to deliver you? Where is the one who will deliver you? Where is he? He's not coming to deliver you. And we find this similar type of tone and and mockery uh, when our Lord was dying on the cross. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Go to Matthew 27 with me and we will see our Lord Jesus hanging on the cross there. You know, we think that Matthew 27, 43. When we think of the cross of our Savior, we think of his physical suffering. But remember, at the cross, there were those who, on top of his physical suffering, were taunting him. Taunting him because he claimed to be the Son of God. Matthew 27 and verse 43. Remember, these are all the uh, people around around the cross, all the, the, the Pharisees who are loving it. And actually, if you look at verse 41, in the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and the elders, were mocking him. Were mocking him. Who are these guys? The religious guys. And... You will find that in your life, many times you will be attacked by others who they may not know the Lord, but they, they profess to be a Christian. But they lash out at you and they begin to mock you, or they begin to, to to bring you down, even in the midst of a trial you're going through. But here they did it to the Lord Jesus. Look what they said, verse 42. He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross and and we will believe in him. Verse 43, he trusts in God. Let him deliver him now if he takes pleasure in him or delight in him. For he said, I am the son of God. That quote, what, 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 they, what they say there mockingly in verse 43, is actually from Psalm 22:8. It was prophetically proclaimed by David in Psalm 28:22. Uh, I'm sorry, in Psalm 22 verse 8. but here we see the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross, and these people at the bottom of the cross are yelling this: "Where's your God? You're God, you're the Son of God." Let's see if he can save you. And, and then we'll believe in you. He trusts in his God, but what's happening to him? He's dying. Do you, do you sense the same tone of voice that David is talking about when he says, my enemies are saying to me, your God will not deliver you? Where is he? And this tone of mockery, will is is prevalent throughout our day today you and i as believers are marked by the world and they know where we stand they know who, who we stand and we stand on the word of god the bible they will laugh in our face and say where's your god they see all the wars and suffering and then they'll say where is your god and they and they will attack you because you are god's child and you hold on by faith but who is behind this no one but Satan himself. Notice the, the, the tone of this. This is something Satan would say. But he's saying it through the scribes and the Pharisees at the cross. He's saying it to discourage David. For David to just kind of, for his faith to fail. And because of the attacks that are, are coming against him. And as you recall, back in the Garden of Eden, when Satan came to Eve in the way of a certain, he spoke through the serpent, right? What did he say to her? Wait a minute, Eve. Hey, that tree right there? Has God really said you're going to die if you eat from that? No, no, no. God's God's hiding something from you. He's tricking you. If you, you take that, you're, you're going to know everything. You're going to have the greatest knowledge. And so Satan, there was the word, the mockery of God, there in the garden at the very beginning. And so through time, Satan will try and, and mock you for your faith and, in essence, blaspheme God through it. So go back with me to Psalm 3 again. I just wanted you to see that this is where David is. He's telling God in his prayer That he's saying, they're saying that there's no deliverance for him, for me, in God. But suddenly, verse 3, there's a change. Suddenly, David changes his perspective and his focus. Verse 3, but thou, O Lord, the word but there, suddenly, He's complaining to the Lord, "This is my situation." Then he says, "But Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head." Here he is. Here David comes in the middle of his his his. Uh, anxiety and and heartache and strain and dealing with his crisis. He says, but Lord, I know something about you. And here's the attributes of God. I know that thou art a shield about me. First of all, he says, I know you're a shield about me. The shield. God has put the shield around his people. Psalm 1830, another Psalm of David's. David wrote this, As for God, his way is blameless. The word of God is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. And maybe this morning, there's that feeling in your life like, man, the pressures are, it's closing in. And you feel like you're just going to be crushed underneath it all. David realized at that moment who God was and what God was doing. That God was a shield for him, which means uh, he was a protector of David all around him. So no matter what, what way the enemy came at him, David knew that, in spite of the enemy, God is his shield. And using that word shield, he's meaning God is my protector and my defender. And God is your shield and your defender, dear Christian, this morning as you trust in him, walk in his ways, walk in the center of his will and say, Lord, I am going to fix my eyes upon you and who you are And I'm going to believe that you are the God Almighty that created me, you formed me, you saved me, and you are my protector, you are my shield. And then David goes on and he says, Not only are you a shield about me, but he says, You are my glory. David calls the Lord my glory. What does he mean by that? Lord, you're my glory. Well, David is actually boasting about who God is. In other words, he's saying, when he uses the word glory, God, uh, David is boasting in Christ and exalting him above everything and everyone else. That, that his God is the one who is being glorified in David's life. And so David says, there's nothing else. Uh, that that I hold, uh, that I glorify, except you. You are the only one. And so we see the glory of God is at the center of David's heart and life. That God is his glory. He would boast only in the Lord. And then at the end of verse 3, David tells the Lord, you are the one who lifts my head. To lift the head is a a Hebrew expression here in in the Hebrew for restoring one who is cast down and restoring them to dignity and position. Joseph, you remember the story of Joseph and his cupbearer in Genesis? Well, there in Genesis 40 verse 13, it says, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. There's that same phrase, lift up your head. It has the idea of someone who is downcast. Kids, you ever come into the house and, uh, you know, mom and dad, uh, you, you hurt yourself or someone picked on you. And you come down and you, you come, come into the house and, and your head's down like this. And you're, you're sorrowful, you're sad, maybe you're crying. What are your parents saying? What's wrong? well what 's wrong? They notice as soon as your head is down they they know something 's wrong, and maybe this morning you're right now in your life, you feel your head is down you 're down like this because of discouragement, because of what 's happening in your life it's it 's hard for you to lift up your head because lifting up your head speaks of of confidence and joy. But suddenly, so many times, we will drop our head because of of the pain that we, we are suffering through. And the Lord is always the one who will come at just the right time in your life. You know what he'll do? Like a parent does to a child, a mom to the daughter, dad to the son, lift up his head, lift up her head and say, look at me. Look at me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then you as a father and mother comfort them. That's what God wants to do for me, for you this morning. When I am downcast and I'm heavy hearted and I can't, don't feel I can look up. My joy has been stolen from me. The Lord wants to restore the joy of my salvation. And how do I do that? David realized what what was the answer to his, his uh, crisis? And that was to look to God and who he was. To look at the power of God and knowing and believing that what God said is true. If God is, uh, has shielded me in the past, I've seen him do it in the past, I can believe today he's going to do it again. He's going to protect me. Think back to all the times, dear friend, that you came through the, the deep waters and the fires. And you're here today. Who got you through? The Lord, your God. He brought you through it all. And there were, again, another crisis comes. And sometimes we forget what God did for us in the past. And believe that he can do it again for us now. David goes on then. Look at verse 4. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. He's Once again, he's saying, I was crying to the Lord with my voice in prayer. But look what he says. And he answered me from his holy mountain. Notice he said, he answered me. He didn't say, he will answer me. But it's already done, past tense. He answered me from his holy mountain. Now, the holy mountain, of course, refers to the sanctuary or the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant was in Jerusalem. And, of course, the uh, holy mountain is Mount Moriah, where Jerusalem is built upon. And that is God's holy mountain, Mount Zion for the Jews. And so when he speaks of that holy mountain, he says, God answered me from his holy mountain. But this also speaks of the holy mountain in heaven, where God dwells, that God will answer and has answered before we even ask. Isn't that amazing? Think about it. God wants you and I to pray, And it's important that we pray so that God will see faithfulness, see our faith through prayer. And then he's already answering before we even see it and how God's going to choose a way of deliverance. It doesn't mean that I'm going to stop suffering. Notice David is saying this, nothing has changed in his circumstances. And nothing has changed in your circumstances this morning as you sit here. But when you leave here, you can go with a different perspective and a different focus in your life as you focus upon the attributes of God, who God is, and that he is my shield. And that he is my protector, my guardian. And that he will answer my prayer. I believe he will answer my prayers. Turn to James chapter 1 real quick. Go over to James chapter 1. And here, James speaks of suffering and trials. James 1, verse 2. James writes, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. How did the word joy get into that? I don't know. But he says you can have joy in the midst of your trials. That's an, an inner peace knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So in the midst of the trial, what what do we do then? We are to call upon the Lord, ask him for wisdom. What do we do next, Lord? How do I handle this? Verse five, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Verse 6, But let him ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James is basically saying, when we come to the Lord and ask, him for wisdom and strength, we must believe by faith that he is going to answer me and going to give me that strength. He is going to give me the wisdom that I don't have to deal with the circumstances, and the situation I'm in. And that's exactly where David was. Suddenly in the midst of his crying out, in the midst of his pain, what did he do? He, he stood strong in his faith in the Lord. And he believed that God was answering, had answered, will answer his prayers as he continued to rely upon the God of his salvation. Turn back with me then. I wanted you to see that. Keep crying out to the Lord for wisdom and help this morning, dear Christian, but ask in confidence and in faith. Back to chapter 3. Then we come to verse 5. And here it is. I want you to to leave you with this. David writes, After he cried to the Lord and God answered him, circumstances remain the same. What happened? He said, I lay down and slept. I awoke. For the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. I will lay down and sleep, and I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. The Lord sustained me. Peace. He said, I, I lay down and I slept. Maybe you're sleeping right now. That's okay. You know, because you had a long week, long day, and, and you're drifting off. It's, that's okay. It's easy to do that. It's scary when I drift off and go to sleep. So keep an eye on me. <clears throat> but, but here, what does this tell us? When David is saying in his psalm, I lay down and slept. And the Lord, when I awoke, the Lord sustained me through the night. I'm still alive. What, is he, what caused David to be able to fall asleep? It was the peace of God. Peace in the truths of, of who God is and his promises. When was the last time you were able to put your head down on a pillow, dear Christian, and really sleep? Now, we understand that there are, there are times in our life where we are suffering physically. You and I will, will enter times of our life where physical suffering and cancer and pain will come upon us, and it will keep us up at night. And that's, and what do we do then? We are, that is the time to meditate upon the Lord when you can't sleep and to look to the Lord and and his scriptures. That's what he, he, look over at verse uh, four of chapter four. Just slide over to chapter four, okay? And this is the uh, psalm that they say David wrote concerning the evening because look at verse four. Tremble and do not sin, Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be what? Still. And be still. So you might be there where you can't sleep physically, but the Lord is with you and he's saying, meditate on your bed and be still and know that he is God. But then drop down to verse 8 of chapter 4. Look at verse 4 and look at verse 8. David concludes chapter 4. He says this, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for Thou alone, O Lord, dost make me to dwell in safety. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for Thou alone, O Lord, dost make me to dwell in safety. How do I sleep? Only if, if I, my eyes are focused on Him, my Lord, my Savior, and His promises, and knowing that His presence is with me, as David did. That's the only way. Then I can put my head on the pillow and I can have peace in my heart. The peace that passes all understanding. We sing that song uh, at Christmas time, Silent Night. And in that song, what, remember the end of, it, of the, the first verse? Sleep in heavenly peace. When was the last time I slept in heavenly peace? Peace that came from the Lord. No, many times I I, I can toss and turn because I'm worried about the situation, worried about what I'm going to do tomorrow, worried about how I'm going to handle this. And and the fears set in, the doubts set in. God, are are you hearing me? Are you listening? You haven't answered. But that is when the peace of God comes and will come over you and calm your troubled mind and heart and you can sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Turn, uh, if you would, to Philippians. Let's go to the book of Philippians here. And the Apostle Paul Chapter 4, Philippians 4, and a familiar passage that we all know well, pick up verse 6. Philippians 4 says, Paul's writing to a church that is hurting. Christians who are going through trials and suffering. And what does he say? He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's exactly what David was doing when he wrote that Psalm. And then here's the result, verse seven. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding or comprehension shall what? Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He, his peace will guard my heart and my mind. If I come to him in prayer with thanksgiving for who he is and making my request known to him and believing that he is going to answer me, I can have this peace that passes all understanding and I can sleep in peace. In spite of what tomorrow I have to face, I can sleep in peace. Turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts 12, verse 5. And I I, I love this account. Peter is in prison. The apostle Peter has been arrested. Acts 12, pick it up at verse 5. So he's arrested. Now, just before this, if you look in Acts 12, look at verse 2. And he, speaking of King Herod, verse 2. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. God, in his sovereign will, said, James, your ministry is done. I'm taking you home early. And so Peter knew this had happened. So now Peter figured he was next because he was arrested and put in prison. Verse 5, so Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. Christians, don't stop stop praying for one another today, this morning. In verse 6, And on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains, and the guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. What does it say there? Peter was sleeping. He may lose his head the next day. Why is he sleeping? Why isn't he sitting up worrying? He was actually sleeping. And look what kind of sleep, how deep a sleep he was in. Verse 7 And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he, the angel, struck Peter's side and aroused him, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself up and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow and did not know that what was being done by, uh, by the angel was real. He thought it was a vision. Verse 10. And the, when they had passed to the first and second guard, they must have been asleep. They came to the iron gate that leads open leads into the city, which were open for them by itself the, the gates just flung open, and when they went out, they went out along one street and immediately the angel departed from him and Peter said to himself, "Now I know for sure the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the uh, that the Jewish people were expecting but Notice back when Peter was asleep, the angel appeared. Verse 7. It says the angel had to strike Peter's side. He probably had to give him a kick. Say, wake up, Peter. Come on. What does that tell us? He had to be in a deep sleep. In the midst of it all, he was asleep. Asleep, trusting in the Lord, knowing that whatever was going to happen, whatever the outcome, he had prayed about it, And now he was going to have the peace that passes all understanding. I don't know how God is going to deliver you or if he's going to deliver you physically or emotionally, whatever it is, but he is going to be with you in the fire. He's going to bring you through it and he will be glorified in the end. And quickly, in closing, go back to Psalm 3. David. We see that David... Realized that the Lord sustained him. Back in verse 5, remember he said, I lay down and slept, I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. The Lord will sustain you, dear Christian, today, tomorrow, and forever. And then he concludes his psalm by saying, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. Doesn't mean David stopped praying for God to save him and deliver him, but he believed that God would one- somehow, some way. For thou hast smitten all my enemies on the cheek. Thou hast shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Thy blessing be upon thy people. He still cried out to the Lord, but there was that that moment where he stopped and said, You are God. You are my shield. You sustain me in the night. You'll sustain me in the morning. And I'm going to believe that. And therefore, I can sleep in peace. There was a... Uh, gallery, an art gallery, that put on a huge competition. And they invited different artists to, to uh, paint certain pictures. Uh, and they, the theme was peace, okay? The theme was to be peace. They wanted an artist to express peace in his portrait, in his picture, whatever it was. So they, the, the paintings came in, and the judges began to look at all the paintings. And there was a painting of a little boy with a fishing rod walking through a, a beautiful meadow. Peaceful picture. Then they came to another one, and it was just beautiful green, lush grass with a big blue sky and nothing stirring Another picture of peace. Then they came to another painting, and the judges, when they first looked at this painting, they're going, "Boy, whoever did this one didn't get it." And I'm going to show you that picture. Greg, could you flash it up here? Now, if, I don't know if you can, see how good you can see that. Is there any way to enlarge that a little bit? Now, t- right there, that's good. Here's the painting. They came and they looked at that waterfall and the, and the tor- uh, and torrential water that's pouring over the dark skies. And does that look like peace to you? No. Didn't look like peace to them. How could that be a picture of peace? Ah, but you had to look closely at this picture. Closer and Closer. Because as you get closer to the picture, there's something in the middle of the, the painting as Greg brings it up and makes it bigger. As it grows, you get closer and closer and closer. And if you could raise it up, Greg, keep, keep raising it up. And now zoom in a little more, if you could. Does anybody see what, what's sitting right in there? A a bird, a bird in the cleft of the rock, a bird in its nest with its chicks, and the bird is sleeping. The bird is sleeping in the midst of the storm. Suddenly, the judges stopped, and when they realized that, they said, there's that winner. There's a true picture of peace in the midst of the storm. Dear Christian, you are in the hollow of his hand this morning. You are in the hollow in the cleft of the rock. And he's protecting you. And you can go to sleep tonight without fear and worry because he is going to carry you and protect you and see you through the storm. So in the midst of it all, You can know the peace that passes all understanding, that will guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, let's pray together. So, as we close this morning in prayer, dear believer, would you now just bring your heavy heart and burden to the Lord? Just lay it at the foot of the cross. And say, Lord Jesus, I don't know what to do. Father, I'm scared. I don't have an answer. Help me in this crisis, Lord. Show me the way I believe you will. And Father, give me your peace that you promised. I'm bringing my petition to you with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And Lord, like David did, I am going to look upon who you are and hold fast to your attributes of what you can do and who I am in you, your child, and you will never let me go. Father, give me that peace today. Would you make that commitment, Christian? Make that decision, give it to the Lord, and he will give you his peace and he will bring you through that trial however he chooses. If you're here this morning, never known Christ as Savior, I invite you to accept him right now. Perhaps you don't have peace in your heart because you've been dealing, fighting the sin in your life. You've you felt lost like a lost sheep. And Jesus went to that cross as a shepherd to die for you. And he wants to bring you to himself. He's looking for you today. Has he found you? If you're ready to accept Jesus as your Savior, you believe he died on the cross for you and your sins, and you believe he's the Son of God who died and rose again from the dead, and you believe that he's the only one that can forgive your sins and save you from hell, would you just pray this prayer with me right now? A prayer like this. Give your heart to Christ. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and i'm sorry for my sin i believe you died on that cross for me and you took the punishment for my sin come into my heart right now wash my sins away i receive you today as my very own savior thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead lord jesus And with heads still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ this morning, you are now born again spiritually. You become part of the family of God. We welcome you to the family. Your sins have been forgiven. You've been given the free gift of eternal life. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for any decisions that were made. We thank you, Lord, for the comfort we have received from your word this morning. Thank you, Father, for the peace that you promised as we call upon you in the day of trouble and believe that you will answer us. Father, administer your grace to hearts this day and give your peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.